Mark chapter number 5. We are going back to the text we've been looking at for the last few weeks. Mark chapter 5 beginning in verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched His garment, literally the hem of his garment, literally the wing of his prayer shawl, the wing of the talith, if you will. The prayer shawl was called a wing, and I'll explain that to you in just a minute. Touch the hem of his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around the crowd and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you, and you're saying, who touched me? What's wrong with you, Jesus? You're a little stupid right now, Jesus. That's basically what they were saying to Jesus, right? Imagine that. Imagine talking to Jesus that way. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. And by the way, you remember Peter, James, and John, if you're tuning in on Wednesday night, Peter, right, what does that mean? Rock or stone. James, right, what what does James mean? Law. And John means grace, right? And so the whole point of Peter, James, and John always following Jesus wherever he went was Jesus was sending a message, and the message was, I came to replace the law with grace. Amen. And so it says, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeps. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with them and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha, she touched the hem of Jesus' talith. He said to her, Talitha kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. Anybody see any coincidence yet? How many years was the woman sick? Don't be bashful. Spit it right out. Twelve. How old was the girl? Twelve and twelve. Today, as we return to our series on endurance and the story of the woman that I call Rocky, I want to minister to you on the subject life interrupted. Life interrupted. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, by your power, And by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, would you speak your word to the hearts of your people? Would you encourage? Would you exhort? Would you build in Jesus' name? And everybody said, you may be seated. 
Wherever you look around these days, you see dissension and disagreement. And not just regular dissension and disagreement, but such dissension and disagreement as is laced with vitriol of the worst kind. Lines have been drawn. People have chosen their side, and they've concluded that if you aren't with them, you aren't just against them, but you are evil and against them. Hate and harm have been the virtue du jour of the day, and it's impossible not to see it. The disagreement and dissension has afforded no room for honest dialogue and discussion, and it has infringed upon just the basic human right of free speech and having your own opinion. It has undoubtedly shaken to the core of the golden rule, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we have seen this new ecosystem most prominently in our politics, but indeed it has infiltrated every aspect of society and sadly even into the very church. The result is when you find someone whose view or opinion is different than yours, you do whatever you can to shut them down. We call it the cancel culture. And the cancel culture has come to the forefront of our dialogue and it is palatable, palatable to everybody. But against this backdrop of dissension and disagreement, there is one place that I believe that we can all find as common ground, no matter which side you are arguing from on which particular issue. And that is that the unprecedented events of 2020 have interrupted life. I mean, you, you don't have to be of this political persuasion to agree with that or this political uh, or this religious persuasion to agree with it. If you just are on earth, you know that these are unprecedented events and they have interrupted life. The first major interruption was, of course, COVID, and it, it, it shut down everything, and we do mean everything, business and church and family and vacations and plans and pursuits and weddings and dreams and all that kind of stuff, not to mention how it has interrupted the lives of those that had to deal with the loss of loved ones. It was the first major interruption. And then, of course, the curve flattened, and everybody was so excited to get back to life as normal. And so depending upon, again, where you're coming from, and I make no political statement in saying this, the curve flattened, and everybody was excited to get back to life again. And so people rushed out, and as soon as people rushed out and began to get back to doing what they did, uh, according to what they are telling us, the curve went up again. And when it went up again... It interrupted life again. We adapted. We figured out how to navigate the uncharted waters of wearing masks and social distancing and all of that. And we developed new ways to go forward. And, and, and we were uh, coming up with a new way of handling life, which is virtual everything, right? Virtual this and virtual that. And maybe soon you're going to be in your own house and you're going to have a virtual you know, conversations with your family, even though you're in another room. And we, we adapted with this virtual life and everything was going great. Virtual, 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 virtual. And then Isaias hits. Is that how you say it? Isaias? Was that the storm? Am I saying it right? Yeah, did I get it right? Isaias, you don't even know how to say it either. It's like when you read a Bible word, you know, I used to try to pronounce everyone really good, but I was like, nobody knows how to pronounce this anyway, so I just give it something and everybody goes with it, you know, Isaias. And Isaias hits. And it interrupts life because now we have adapted to this new virtual reality and it has become our way of doing life. It has become our way of socialization. It has become our way of doing family. It even became, no, 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 our way of experiencing church. 
And then Isai sits. And life gets interrupted again. Interruption after interruption after interruption. 2020 has been full of interruptions. Enter our story. Our text, which has three main players in it. Jairus, his daughter is in need of an immediate miracle. The woman I call Rocky, she's got an issue of blood for 12 years, but she's still swinging and, and she's still searching and she's still trying to find a cure for her disease. And then, of course, there's Jesus, not to be forgotten. He, he's the answer for both of their dilemmas. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus can handle more than one thing at the same time, aren't you? I'm glad that he can be the answer to Jairus' problem and he can be the answer to the woman I call Rocky's problem. I'm glad that God is enthroned by having too much on his plate. I'm glad that God can handle more than one thing at the same time. He can handle our politics and he can handle our economy. He can handle our education system and our pandemic. He can handle our disagreements and our fight for social justice. He can handle when we're overwhelmed, and he he is the God of the overwhelmed. And I'm glad that God can handle my request and your request and my cry and your cry and my problem and your problem and never go, ah, too much. Stop asking. I'm glad Jesus is the answer. And in the story, we've got two themes happening at the same time. We have the miracle mission that is interrupted. And then we have a woman who has a lot of things working against her, but she has one profound thing working for her, and that is endurance. In the text, there is both a story of a life or a miracle being interrupted and the story of a lady who is modeling endurance. And I don't think they are in the text by coincidence, but I think that God has divinely deposited these two themes into the dialogue at the same time to let us know one important message. And that is, if we are ever going to receive everything that God has for us, we cannot just have one thing, but we need two things. It's not just faith, but it is faith and endurance. We need them both. Indeed, endurance is a weapon that makes the weak strong. It is the character trait that carries us through the unexpected and often disappointing disruptions and interruptions in life. Jesus is the one, or Jairus is the one whose life is interrupted. The woman I call Rocky, also experiencing an interruption in life, is the one who models endurance. What is endurance? In prior sermons, we said it would be best translated staying power. The power to stand even when our lives are shaken. The power to fight even when our faith seems frail. The power to get up even after life has knocked us down. The power to forge forward even though it seems futile. We learned that in order to get what God has for us, we need more than just faith. Because the Bible says to follow those who through faith and endurance inherit the promises of God. Because very rarely is it that we experience the manifestation of what we prayed for the moment after the words leave our lips. Very very often, most often in life, we pray... And then there is a period of time that we have to navigate through before we see what we prayed for come to pass in our lives. And it's during that period of time where we need this thing called endurance. And we discovered in in prior sermons that faith is a very masculine word. 
and we discovered that endurance is a very feminine word, and, and that's in the original uh, Greek. And we found out that in order for them to produce, there must be a symbiotic relationship between the two. They must be working in harmony with one another. And James, the half-brother of Jesus in the book that, that has his name on it, speaks to us about the symbiotic relationship between faith and endurance. It's translated patience in English, but in the original language, it would be better endurance. And he says this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This was a church, by the way, that James is writing to that was going through a, a time of extreme religious and political persecution. They literally had their families ripped apart. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. And they were losing their minds. They were scattered abroad. If you read the the epistle of James, he opens up by saying, James, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. They're all over the place. And they're not all over the place because they wanted to be. They're all over the place because stuff has happened and life has happened. And their faith was so shattered that they were saying to Pastor James, as they were losing their mind, they were saying, we don't know why God is allowing this to happen. We don't understand, Pastor James. And to which James, in his epistle in the first chapter, details one of the greatest theological lessons that we can learn about where God stands in the middle of such times. And James famously says, let no man say when he is tempted that I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And this is not just talking about the temptation to sin, but this is literally, it's the Greek word periasmo, and it means a test or a trial that comes your way that causes you to be scattered and lose your loved ones and lose your life and lose your home And as these people were losing. And James goes on to say in James chapter 1 and verse number 17, very emphatically, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. He's saying, James is saying, listen, don't make the mistake when you're going through difficult times that God is behind the difficult. Let me remind the church what is happening in our world is not from the Lord. The pandemic is not from the Lord. The fighting and the hating and the killing and the death and the destruction and the church being shut down, God forbid, is not from the Lord. Jesus said it this way. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. At some point, the church is going to have to get a backbone. Don't shut me down for two weeks. You never know what's going to happen if I come back after two weeks. I'm just, I guess, pent up on the inside. It becomes like fire shut up in my bone. At some point, the church is going to have to get a backbone. Some point, the church is going to have to say, if I can go to the grocery store and not worry, I can go to the house of God and not worry. At some point. And again, I say that understanding that there are some people who have special circumstances. I get that. You know, sometimes we like to throw out like, you know, one one size fits all for everything. And the truth of the matter is in life, very rarely does one size fit all. Sometimes there are extenuating circumstances, and so we understand that. And so James is, is, is reminding us of what I said earlier. Jesus is not our enemy. He's our answer. He's not our enemy. He's our answer. But they were asking Pastor James for answers. 
And James, amongst many things, says when life gets interrupted, you need faith and endurance. But the word endurance is more than just a natural word. Notice what he says in the epistle, James chapter 1 again, verse number 3. He says that your faith, when it's tried, worketh patience. The Greek word katagazamo. Am I pronouncing that right? I have no idea. Neither do you. But it's the word worketh, right? The word worketh. And this word describes a powerful chemical reaction. In other words, James is saying when life gets interrupted, there is only so much staying power that you and I can muster up in our flesh. When life gets interrupted, there's so, only so much natural standing that you can possess as an individual. Because how can I stand when I've lost a loved one? How can I stand when my child is suffering? How can I stand when my life is being shattered and torn apart? How can I stand when I fought so long and so hard and seemed not seem nothing? How can I stand when my marriage is being ripped apart? How can I stand when I've lost my job and I can't put food on the table and I'm listening to my kids say that they're hungry? There, there comes a point in standing where the natural ability to stand dries up. It stops. And this is where people lose their mind. This is where people throw in the towel. This is where people give up. But James is telling us something that that this woman, Rocky, has. A supernatural endowment to stand even when your natural ability to stand has dried up. It's what Paul referred to in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You know what amazes me, and we all do it. We have access to a power greater than us, but yet most of the time when we struggle through, we fight our own power. Which is kind of like, it's it's just kind of stupid, right? You know, if you have a better way and you, you choose the lesser way, it, it kind of says something about us, and maybe that's why God calls us sheep. He <laughs> says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. What is Paul and what is James talking about and what does this woman possess? Supernatural staying power. It is the ability to stand when your stamina has run out. It is standing in the power of his might. It is standing in such a way that will cause the devil to scratch his head and say, how is it possible? How are they still functioning? How are they still smiling? How are they still coming to church? How are they still sharing the gospel? How do they still have hope? Biblical endurance, this is a great definition, is when God touches your tired. Biblical endurance is when God touches your tired. How else can you explain? Our woman called Rocky, she's still looking after 12 years of being diagnosed, no cure 
for a cure. How else can you describe her in a city far from home looking for another doctor after she's got shot down by 12 years of doctor and gone broke? How else do you explain her ability to break her quarantine and risk her life at being sentenced to death for being out in public with a disease like she had? How else do you explain her being willing to fight through a crowd to get to Jesus who is moving away from her? This is not normal endurance. This is God touching her tired and I don't know who this is for but I heard God say this when I was preparing this he said don't quit he's going to touch your tired he's going to touch your tired we need biblical endurance it's so important because number one your provision is often in the middle of a crowd it'd be great if most of the times what God had for us required no struggle I would love that Wouldn't wouldn't you love that Sometimes I wish there was some kind of struggle for some of the things that I, that I want. Like I wish there, there was sometimes a struggle to open the refrigerator door. I wish it was hard sometimes. You know, I wish there was something pushing back on me. You know, especially during my days when I'm jonesing for sugar, cause it's like, it's like, if it's there, I'm getting it, you know, and I wish there was something that's like fighting me back, make me think twice about it. And oftentimes what we, what God has for us is in the middle of a crowd. This is where Jesus was moving away from her. To get to him, she needed God to touch her tired. This isn't just her case, but it's also the case in so many examples in the Bible. The promised land was on the other side of Jericho's walls. It could have been on this side of Jericho's walls, but no, it was on that side of Jericho's walls. Hagar's provision, Hagar, the handmaiden of Sarah, who Abraham, remember that, slept with. Hagar's provision, she then ran to the middle of the desert. You remember that? Because she was running away, running away from Sarah who hated her. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, go back. That's where your provision is. Her provision could have been, it would have been great if it was out there. But the provision was in the house of the woman that hated her. Abraham and Isaac's provision was on the top of a mountain. Why couldn't it be on the bottom of the mountain? Why has it got to be on the top? David's provision was behind the giant. Esther's provision and the people that she represented, their provision was in a king's chamber who hadn't even invited her in. The blind man carried by his four friends, his provision was in the middle of a house where you couldn't get through the front door. And the only way you can get to where the provision was, was to tear open the roof and lower them down. Our provision is so many times in the middle of a crowd. And this is why we need endurance. Because it allows us to receive what God has for us. The devil will fight your freedom. But I promise you by the authority of the word of God that if you will allow God to touch your tired, if you'll make a decision to stay and to trust even when you don't understand and can't figure it all out, that eventually by authority of the word of God, God will touch your tired and something supernatural will kick in. But then the second reason why endurance is so important is because it allows your steps to be ordered. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a good man. And man in the Bible, I know we live in this culture where everything's got to be so politically correct and all that. Man in the Bible is generic. And it refers to everybody. So women, you are in on this, okay? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. This woman was in another city looking for another doctor after being turned down by every single doctor Spending all her money growing worse. But she was there. She was practicing endurance. And it's what led her 
to cross paths with Jesus. She thought she was there to find a medical doctor, but because she had endurance, her steps were ordered to have an appointment with the great physician. Had she not had endurance, she would have never had her steps ordered. We are in cooperation with God. It's just not magically that our steps are ordered, but our steps are ordered when we are willing to endure, and then we will see what God has for us come to pass. God will walk us into those things. What if she quit? What if she didn't stand long enough for God to touch her tired? She would have missed her ordered appointment. You know, you can have an appointment, and if you don't show up, they pass you right by. I think there's a lot of people that got appointments with God. They just ain't showing up. Because, like, now, see, I had, I had this scheduled in for this day at this time right here. And as I, I was expecting so-and-so to be in the house of God, that's just, just a player right there, even though I'm not. They just forgot to show up. See, endurance allows our steps to be ordered of the Lord. But then here's what I want to get to and then I'm done. Number three, endurance is important because it allows God to work through you. In the life of a Christian, there are always two things happening. There is what is happening to us and what is happening through us. Always those those two dynamics in the life of a Christian. And our problem is that we are oftentimes, because of our human frailty, our human condition, I call it the chronic human condition. The chronic human condition is me. The world revolves around me. That's the chronic human condition. And it's something that even when you're a Christian doesn't break. And it requires the constant renewing of your mind. And so we often focus on even though there are two things happening in the life of the Christian, only one thing, which is that, which is happening to us. And, and, and endurance allows indeed what God has planned for you to happen to you. Her endurance got her healed. Because she had 12 years staying power, she got healed. If she gave up, she would have never experienced what God planned for her happen to her. And then people would have said, well, why didn't God do it? And since we don't get to, be part of those conversations, we would all have been like, I don't know. I got him well as supposed to. And, and in the Bible, there is example after example of people who, because of endurance, had what God planned for them happen to them. Joseph. Joseph endured betrayal by his brothers, slavery and imprisonment, and 13 years later, what God planned for him happened to him when he became prime minister of Egypt. But if he didn't endure for all 13 years, Joseph would have died without experiencing the dream. But because he endured, what God planned for him happened to him. And Abraham endured being unfaithful to his wife. And by the way, you can endure through a sin. Some people give up because when they sin, they feel like they've gone too far. And what's the use now? That endurance can even take you through a season where you have setbacks of your own making in your life. Abraham endured being unfaithful to his wife, having to say goodbye to his son, and years of not being able to father a child. And then 25 years later, what God had planned for him happened to him when he gave Sarah Isaac. 25 years. Moses endured murder. And 40 years of tending sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. 
until what God planned for him happened to him when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. And Jesus endured 30 years of sweating drops of blood, of being rejected, a cruel cross, until he finally redeemed us. And so make no mistake about it, endurance allows what God has planned for us to happen to us. But we're Christians, and so there's always more than one thing going on in our life. There's not just what is happening to us, but there is what God wants to do through us. Because when we are Christians, we understand our life doesn't belong to us. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We are here for God to use for his glory. We are here for his purposes, for his pleasure we were created. He wasn't created for our pleasure. We should have the cry of our heart should be such that we say, here I am, Lord, use me, send me like Isaiah did. We exist for his purposes, not for us. Therefore, there is always two things happening to the believer, what is happening to us and through us. This woman's endurance allowed her to receive what God had for her. But it also allowed God to work through her to minister to Jairus. What do you mean, pastor? She was an interruption. In Jairus' miracle. Jairus' daughter is at the point of death and getting Jesus to his house was his number one concern. They are moving through the crowd. They are in a hurry. And Jesus stops because the text says he felt power go out of him because he knew someone touched him with the touch of faith. And so he stops for a small interruption, just stopping, right? Because if I was Jairus, I'd be like, yo, what's up, Jesus? Why, why are we stopping? Let's go. And not only does he stop, small interruption, but he asks the question, who touched me? And sure enough, the text says that the woman that was looking to slip away because she touched the hem of his garment and he had to call her to come back because she didn't want to be found out because you remember if she was found out being out, she would be put to death because she couldn't be put, she couldn't be out in public when she had that issue. And so she wanted to slip in and slip out. And so Jesus said, who touched me? And he called for the woman. And the Bible says, verse number 33 of our text, she came and fell down before him and she told him the whole truth. And so now what was a small interruption, a stop became a long drawn out interruption. Cause how many of you know, Interruptions last a whole lot longer than we usually want them to. She tells him the whole truth. Jesus, 12 years ago, my life was fine. Happy, happy family, happy marriage, two beautiful kids, good jobs, soccer games and baseball games on the weekends. I know I should have been in church, but I'm sorry, Jesus, it was good. Friends in the community, we were, we were living the J-Town dream, Jerusalem. And then that time of the month came, and it lasted two weeks, and then three, and then a month, and then two months, three months, and then a year, and then two years, and three years. And when it was discovered that I had this type of issue, I was ordered to quarantine, to live in a bubble all by myself. And I went to this doctor and that doctor, and nobody could help me. And, and I tried this and that and nobody, nothing worked. And, and we spent all the money that we had, Jesus. We lost the retirement, Jesus. We lost the house because we mortgaged it so much. Kids lost their mother. Husband lost their father. Couldn't hold my kids, tuck my kids in, kiss my kids. My life was interrupted. It was a mess. 
physically and emotionally, but something kept me going. Something touched my tired, and I kept fighting. I kept searching. I came to this city, risked my life to come out of quarantine, thinking maybe there would be a doctor here who could help me and who would take pity on my case because I had no more money and I didn't have health insurance. And so I was hoping somebody was just going to help me just because they cared about another human being. And while I was searching for a doctor, Jesus, can I just tell you, I wasn't here looking for you. I didn't even know you'd be here. Just keeping it real, Jesus. But while I was here looking for a doctor, you found me. I heard a rumble throughout the whole crowd. I heard there was somebody here. He was opening blind eyes and unstopping deaf ears, and he was walking on water and feeding 5,000 families with just loaves and fishes. I, I heard about this man, and I thought I remember something tripped from way back when I was a kid. I remember when I was in Sabbath Sunday school. And I heard the teacher said that when the true Messiah came, that he would have healing in his wings. That at the end of his prayer cloth, at the end of his talith, there would be these little wings. And that if it was truly the Messiah, those wings would have healing power in them. And so in the middle of the situation, I altered my plan. I, in the middle of the interruption, I, I rerouted the situation because closed doors are not broken opportunities. They are redirection to the right door. And so in the middle of the circumstance, I redirected myself and I said, you know what? This tie, this, this touch that has come upon my tired is going to have to take me through that crowd. Jesus, I didn't know where you are. Couldn't see you. The crowd was so thick. And so you know what I did? The only thing I could do, because I didn't want nobody to see me, I started crawling. And I couldn't see where you were, but somehow, some way, I don't know how it was, but my crawl was ordered to the point where I looked up and I saw a Talith and I saw him there. And I thought maybe this is him. And with everything in me, I, I just, I reached out. And I touched, and the moment that I touched, I knew you were the real Messiah because I felt in my body immediately that in 12 seconds what the doctors couldn't do in 12 years, my issue of blood was gone. She told him the whole truth, but Jesus, then I tried to slip away. And I tried to slip away because I knew if I was found out, they'd kill me. Watch this, watch this. God called her back. She tried to leave. I said, oh, oh. who touched me? Like Jesus didn't know. Jesus asked you a question. It's not because he needs information. I promise you he's up to something. Who touched me? She was trying to slip away. Jesus said, come on back. Now you have to understand that when Jesus called her back, it was Jairus who had the power to put her to death for being caught out in public. And God told me to tell you this. Be careful how you treat people when you have power to alter their life. Because when you have power to alter somebody's life and you use your power to crush that person, then what you do is you set yourself up to be judged by God. But when you use the power and the authority that you have, mercifully, you set yourself up to be blessed by God. And the order of the day was that when Jesus called her back, the devil said, oh good, now 
Jairus is going to see that she's out in public. He's going to order her death. But if he ordered her death, he would have stopped her mid-testimony, shut himself off from what he needed to hear and see. Why? Because God wanted to not just do something to her. He wanted to do something through her. See, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but here's what God told me to tell you. Stop. Come on back. Your testimony is needed. God needs to use what you've been through in order to get something not just to you, but through you. Somebody needs to hear how you stood up on your feet again after you've been through what you've been through. Your testimony is needed. Somebody needs to know that even though they've been sick for a long time, that God heals long-term sicknesses. Your testimony is needed. Somebody needs to know how you made it through that marriage. Somebody needs to know how you got out of that situation. Stop. Come on back. Your testimony is needed. Somebody needs to know how you found the fight to make it through the fight of your life. Your testimony is needed. Stop. This is not just all about what is happening to you. This is about what God wants to do through you. Come Who touched me? Come on back. And immediately after Jairus heard what she said, word Cain, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. We just got to know how God works and also how the enemy works. You know it's important to know both, right? You know, if you're going to be a victor, you need to know how your opponent operates. I know Pastor Brandon's got a hitch in his shot, so I'm on that hitch all the time. See, I'm on that thing right there. You got to know not only how to get the victory, how God works, but you got to know how the enemy works. See, what the enemy does, and, and Jesus, the most famous parable Jesus ever told, maybe not the most famous, maybe one of the most famous, the parable of the sower. What did he say? He said that as soon as the good seed, which is the word of God, is sown into the hearts of men, what does he say? Immediately, what does the devil do? comes to steal that word. So if you know that, and you just heard a testimony, and saw a testimony of what God can do, and on the heels of hearing that, and seeing that, you see, or the enemy comes, and a bad report comes, instead of the bad report rocking your world, you say, oh no, no, that's just how the devil works right there. He just came to steal that word, but I'm going to not let him steal that word. See, most people would look at this story and say, oh my God, if she didn't stop Jesus and told her that long woman drawn out story. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know women tell long stories. Jesus would have got there on time and our daughter, his daughter wouldn't have died. See, that's the way we look at things naturally because we, it's easier to blame somebody, isn't it? When you blame, you block your blessing. That was an inspirational word right now. Somebody needed to hear that. What blaming does is blocks your blessing. Because when you blame, you get bitter. 
And when you get bitter, you can't have a blessing. And so it would have been easy for Jairus to say, now see what you've done? Put her to death. But Jairus didn't do that. Here's what I believe. I believe Jesus knew that no matter how fast he walked, no matter how fast he run, by the time he got there, his daughter would have been dead. So you know what Jesus said? Come on back here. Your testimony is needed. I need somebody. I need to not just get something to you, but I need to get something through you right now. I need somebody who's got a 12-year-old daughter to hear about a 12-year-old miracle-working Messiah. I need him to know that when I walk into his house, it ain't just an ordinary man walking into his house. That when I walk into his house, it is the Lord of glory with healing in his wings. See, you got to understand something. Endurance. Endurance allows God to get something, not only to you, but through you. 